Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Excellent. Well, as I've already mentioned, we are continuing our series called Unlimited, which is a series all about living, living sorry, a limitless life. Last week, through Kath's brilliant introduction to this series, we established that not all limits are bad. I just need you to know that. I don't want us to get carried away. Not all limits are bad. There are limits and boundaries in play that are set there for our protection, such as speed limits. Although, if you're anything like me, you don't like those speed limits, they are there for our protection, even when it's only 50 kilometres an hour. Apparently, they are there for our protection. Some limits are good. Speed limits, alcohol limits. When we go out partying, it's good to have an alcohol limit, particularly if you're going to drive afterwards. And I'm led to believe that the speed, uh, sorry, the alcohol limit is 0.05. Some of you need to write that down as a reminder. 0.05. Do not drive a car over 0.05. One, because it's going to get dangerous for everyone else on the road, and two, it's going to cost you a lot of money if you get caught. So not all limits are bad. Financial limits on your credit cards and all those things, they are there for our protection and safety. So I just want to say categorically at the beginning of this series that not all limits are bad. And while these limits are good, If we're not careful, and this is the bit I want us to get, if we're not careful, these good things can become bad things in that if uh, we're not careful, the thinking that protects us can become the thinking that imprisons us. I'll say that again. If we're not careful, the thinking that protects us can become the thinking that imprisons us. For example, if Noah limited his thinking to popular opinion, there would be no ark that would have saved his family to start the world again. If Moses has limited his thinking to popular opinion, there would have been no parting of the Red Sea. If Daniel had limited his thinking to popular opinion, there'd be no deliverance for him in the lion's den. If David limited his thinking to popular opinion, there'd be no victory over Goliath. If Esther limited her thinking to popular opinion, there'd be no Jews. There would have been the annihilation of the Jewish population. If Peter limited his thinking to popular opinion, there'd be no walking on the water. If Paul limited his thinking to popular opinion, there'd be no New Testament as we know it today. And if Jesus limited his thinking to popular opinion, there'd be no salvation for us. When he hung upon the cross, the people said, you who say you can save others, why don't you come down off that cross and save yourself? And he could have done that. He could have saved himself. But had he saved himself, he would not have saved you or I and there would have been no salvation. I'm so grateful that there are people in our history and in our past, some we know, some we don't know, some we've met, some we have not met, but they didn't bow down to popular opinion, but they chose to place their faith and trust in a limitless God. You see, the problem with limited thinking is that it affects our vision. And it affects our vision, especially when it comes to how we see God. And write this down, the God you see is the God you get. That's why Jesus spent time with His disciples and He asked the disciples, He said, who do you say that I am? It's not enough to know worry and worry about what others say. Because if you remember, the conversation started with, who do the people say that I am? But then Jesus said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Because who you see me to be is ultimately who I will be. 
The God you see is the God you get. And I'm here to remind you this morning, at the beginning of this new decade, that we serve the God of the impossible. This same God that visited Mary through an angel and said, you have found favour, Mary, in the eyes of God. And the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you'll be uh, pregnant with child. And she said, how can that be? I'm a virgin. And he said, the angel said, what's impossible for man is possible with God. And then he says to Mary, do you believe this? The question this morning is, what is it that you believe? Because ultimately what you believe is what you're going to get in life. The God you see is the God that you are going to get. And I trust at the beginning of 2020, we can lay a fresh, healthy, sound foundation in the God that we serve. Do you believe? Do you believe? And Mary says, oh, I believe. I don't get it. I don't fully understand it. But I believe. And as a result, she received. See, God is not limited by the boundaries that we are. In actual fact, as I've been saying all the time now, impossible doesn't deny the existence of God. It simply highlights the limitations of humanity. Some things God does are hard to explain, but it doesn't deny the existence of God. It just highlights the limitations of humanity. I want to read the scripture that Kath shared last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 to 13, reading from the message. It says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide and spacious place. We didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your vision, your belief system. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in such a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. Last week, Kath shared on the unlimited grace. Everyone say grace. The unlimited grace of God that's available to us. Today, I want to look at the unlimited wisdom Unlimited wisdom that's available to each and every one of us. Everyone say wisdom. Wisdom. Fantastic. Um, Buckminster Fuller created the knowledge doubling curve. And, And this is what he noticed about knowledge. He noticed that until 1900s, the human knowledge doubled approximately every century. And by the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. Today, things are not as simple as different types of knowledge have different rates of growth. For example, nanotechnology is doubling every two years and clinical knowledge is uh, doubling every 18 months. But on average, human knowledge is doubling about every 13 months. And according to IBM, the built out of the internet of things, it will lead to the doubling of knowledge every 12 hours. See, the world seeks knowledge, but I'm here to tell you this morning that wisdom is much more than knowledge. We're here today to talk about the difference between wisdom and knowledge. We crave knowledge. That's why we go to school. That's why we go to university. That's why we take on these courses. That's why we read books. We crave knowledge. This world craves knowledge, but knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Our, our society knows how to get knowledge. You can ask Alexa, Google, or even Siri. Siri. 
Siri? Siri. Siri. We can ask Siri. And you'll find that Siri has, Siri has incredible knowledge. For example, if I ask Siri, Siri, who is Australia's Prime Minister? Scott Morrison is the Prime Minister of Australia. Very knowledgeable. Siri, who won the Oscar for Best Picture in 2019? Green Book won the Oscar for Best Picture in 2019. Uh, Siri, when does the Two Down Under start? 2022 Down Under is from Tuesday, January 21st at midnight GMT through Sunday, January 26th at midnight GMT. Siri has... Siri, how do I say it? I'm, I'm overthinking it now. Siri, Siri, yeah. Has so much knowledge, sometimes it's just too much information like then, but anyway. Uh, Siri, what is today's temperature? The high for today will be 36 degrees and the low will be 24. Siri, tell me a joke. Why do hummingbirds hum? Because they can't remember the words. I didn't say they were good jokes. She knows jokes, just not good ones, apparently. But anyway, so we know how to get knowledge better than any other generation. But as I've said before, wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to discern what is right, true, and lasting. Knowledge is information gained through experience, reasoning, and acquaintance. Let me demonstrate the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Siri, how can I be a great chess player? I'm not sure I understand. Siri, what should I wear to impress my boss today? I'm not sure I understand. Siri, um, how should I prioritise my problems to achieve more success this year? I'm not sure I understand. Siri, how can I stop being lonely and start having meaningful, meaningful relationships? I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> Siri's knowledge is limited. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Siri has plenty of knowledge, but doesn't necessarily have the wisdom and understanding required for life's problems. And let's be honest, there's a lot of problems in the world today. Knowledge can exist without wisdom, but not the other way around. People think the more knowledge you have, the wiser you are. But I know a lot of people who disprove that fact. And I'm sure you do too. Knowledge doesn't always equal wisdom. Knowledge, I've heard it said, is knowing that tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. See, unlimited wisdom is wisdom that's not limited to your understanding. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. So how do we tap into this wisdom? Because let's be honest, we have limits when it comes to wisdom. 
And this whole series is about tapping into God's unlimited resource, His unlimited knowledge, whatever it is that we lack, that God would supply. And how do we do that? Well, it doesn't come as a gift under a Christmas tree. It's developed through circumstances and situations that we face. And I want to read James chapter 1 very quickly this morning. And James chapter 1 verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. As simple as this text is, I believe there's some key elements to us gaining the wisdom, the unlimited wisdom that we desire. And I've got three very simple points today. And I want you to stay with me and come on this journey. And the first one is simply this. When it comes to us gaining wisdom, the first thing I would say that we need to do is just start simply. Turn to the person next to you and say, just start simply. In other words, stop overthinking it. Just start simply. James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's where it starts. Let's just get simple. If you lack wisdom, in other words... We need to get honest about what it is that we lack. And it's really hard to get honest about what it is where we lack when we're too busy playing the blame game. When we're blaming this person for this thing and that person for that thing, it gets hard to actually know what it is that we lack. We seem to be very good at knowing what other people lack. They should have been nicer. They should have been kinder. They're not this. They're not that. But what about you? What do you lack? James says, if any of you lack... The question today, what is it that you lack? And in order for us to know what we lack, we have to take a Selah moment. We have to take some time out. And that's what's so good, as Pastor Dan was saying this morning, when it comes to our rest and recreation, we start to ask ourselves some questions. Hey, hey, what is it that I need for 2020? What is it that I need for this next year and this next decade? What is it that I lack so that I can work on those areas in my life? You have to get honest about what you need. We need an honest assessment about who you are, what you can do. What you can't do. Where are you at? Where are your struggles? And you need to be able to do that without beating yourself up. There's many, many examples in life and there's many, many examples of this in the Word of God. And I want to just take one example that's found in the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3. And it's about a young man, Solomon. And Solomon was King David's son. And Solomon became a king at a very early age. And uh, we read in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Now, Lord God, this is Solomon speaking, you have made your servant king in this place of my father David, but I'm only a child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Where does wisdom start? It just starts with getting, uh, it starts simply and it starts with getting honest with ourselves. Solomon said, I'm young, I'm dumb, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I just need help. What is it that you lack in this life? Let's stop playing the blame game. Let's stop pointing the finger. And let's take some ownership this year. And start asking ourselves the real question, what is it that we lack? Homework for this week is, what is it that you lack? Solomon was very aware that although he'd been uh, highly exalted into this position, of king of a kingdom, he realised he was young 
and he didn't know what he was doing. Where does wisdom start? Well, it starts simply. Who wants wisdom? Well, it starts simply. And it starts with us getting honest about what it is that we don't have. Secondly, we need to walk humbly. We need to walk humbly. James says, whoever lacks wisdom, that's the first part. When you realise what you lack, you should humble yourself and you should ask God. See, when you realise what you lack, if you add humility to honesty, it's a doorway to greatness. And we see that we need to ask God. And James said, because he's a God who gives generously. In other words, he is for you and not against you. And again, going back to Solomon as our example, he was a young man who was put into the kingship at a very early age and he realised, I just don't know what I'm doing. But what did he do? He didn't whinge and complain. He actually went to God. He said, God, I need help. God, I need your wisdom. How much of our prayer is taken up with whinging and complaining instead of asking the right questions? So it takes humility to get true wisdom. We have to humble ourselves. We have to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers. We don't know all there is to know. We live in a crazy world that's coming up with some crazy notions about how to do things and, 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 and all this crazy stuff that's going on. But if we would humble ourselves, like, God, we don't know what we're doing. We need your help. We need your wisdom. And we see this young man, Solomon, do exactly that. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, he says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish good, or sorry, right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Wow, what, a, what an incredible picture that we have in what it is to gain wisdom. First, we just, we just have to acknowledge that we lack in this area. And secondly, we just have to ask God. And the great thing about God is He gives more than we actually ask for. Solomon, this young man, asked for wisdom, but he got riches and he got so much more than what he actually asked for. Why? Because like James says, God is for you. He's not against you. He wants the best for you. And I pray that we have a revelation this year that our God is for us and He actually absolutely wants the best for us in 2020. He wants the best for you this year. He's a God that is for us. How do we get wisdom? It starts simply. We need to walk humbly. And then thirdly, you've got to take responsibility. It says, when you ask, you must believe, James says, and not doubt. In other words, stop blaming, stop pointing the finger and start believing. We see that with Mary. Mary believed God and what she believed, she received. And we see this young man, Solomon, he believed God and he received. When he was still a very young child, leading this kingdom, off the back of asking God for wisdom, not long after that, He had two women come to him. And whenever there are two women arguing, that's always a problem. Oh, the men are like. 
this young man sitting on his throne is confronted with two women who are arguing and squabbling over a baby. The backstory is that these two women both had a child and one of them, while sleeping with a child, um, accidentally smothered the child and found her child dead in the morning. And so in the morning, she pulled a Swifty and grabbed her dead child and swapped her dead child for this other woman's live child. And when the other woman woke up and saw the child of hers was dead, she realised very quickly that this is not her child. Not only is this child not alive, but this child is not hers. And she immediately recognises that her actual child is with this other woman. And she realises that this dead child was actually her child. And this is where the squabbling and the arguing began. And this argument was presented before the king. And they're doing the he said, she said thing. Or she said, she said thing. Pointing fingers, blaming. And can you imagine this, this young man who's got all authority just to rid them of the earth and just get them out of his sight and... He's got a dilemma on his hands. And when they'd finished arguing, Solomon stands up and says, bring me a sword. And maybe at that moment, the mother who was in the right thought, he's going to put the other woman to death. Yeah, she deserves it. Who knows what was going on in their mind? But Solomon says something so profound. Something so unexpected. They certainly was not expecting the words that came out of his mouth to come out of his mouth, particularly at such a young age. You see, Solomon tapped into a wisdom that was beyond his age. A wisdom beyond his years. A wisdom beyond his experience. And that wisdom is available to you as it is to me today in 2020. And with a sword in his hand, King Solomon Young man stands up and says, bring me the child that's alive. Can you imagine how silent it went? They think, oh my gosh, he's gone mad. He's had a burnout. And then he says, and this confirmed that he'd gone mad in their thinking. Let's cut the baby in two and give half to this woman and half to that woman. That's a crazy notion. But it's what took place afterwards. The response of the women highlighted the wisdom that Solomon was displaying. Well, the woman who'd lost the child, she said, that's a great idea. Because she'd already lost her child. But the woman whose child it actually was, she begged and pleaded this young king not to kill the child. She said, no, 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 please let the child live. Let the other woman have it. She she can have him. Let him live. Just whatever you do, don't kill this child. Solomon puts the sword away. He says, give the child to this woman, for she's the mother. Who would like that kind of wisdom? I mean, as a parent, you've got two kids complaining. Who would like that kind of wisdom? Being married, husband and wife, who would like that kind of wisdom? 
Emmerich and Alex will need that kind of wisdom. And as a result of this moment, news of Solomon's wisdom spread throughout his kingdom. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 28, it says this. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Is a band come up? I believe this kind of wisdom is the kind of wisdom that God wants us to tap into. And where does it come from? It comes from God. This young man, whose wisdom became throughout, uh, known throughout the kingdom, started with, I don't know what I'm doing. Started real simply. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe that's a revelation for some of you this decade. Just be honest about what you're struggling with. Be honest with what you're not good at. Be honest about what you can't do. Because that's where it started for Solomon. It's exactly what James tells us to do. He who lacks wisdom. But in order to know you lack wisdom, you've got to be honest about that. He said, if you ask or lack wisdom, you can ask God who gives in abundance. Solomon didn't know what he was doing. He said, God, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. I don't need riches. Riches are no good to me without wisdom. I don't need a wife. A wife's no good to me without wisdom. I don't need a home and property. Those things are no good without wisdom. See, some of the things we chase aren't the things we need. And that's why when we get them, we don't know what to do with them because they don't have the wisdom to know how to handle them. Just like the prodigal son. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 15 about a young boy who'd been sick and tired of living with his father. He said, you know what? I want out of here. Give me my inheritance, which was basically to say to the father, you're dead to me. And the father graciously gave him his inheritance. He got the inheritance. And after a short time, he spent everything. Why? Because he didn't have wisdom. He had wealth, but he didn't have wisdom. You don't need more money. You need more wisdom. You don't need another wife. You need more wisdom. Never ceases to amaze me. Those that are married don't want to be married. Those that aren't married want to be married. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. People are sleeping around with a different person every night. I said, man, you know what? Just, just stay with the same person and you'll get it. You know, particularly for the guys, if you stay with the same woman your whole life, you'll get a different woman every night. I tell you. Just, and you need wisdom to know how to manage her. I've been married for 28 years and, and just when I think I know my wife, she do something, say something, oh my God, God, help! I'm lacking knowledge and understanding here. I thought I knew this woman. But today she's, she's not Cass, she's Joanna, she's Heidi, she's somebody, I don't know who she is. Oh! Wow. That's like a divine setup. <laughs> wow. And some days, I, I wasn't finished. Some days she's like an angel.
But seriously, I, I love seeing young love and I love seeing people getting married. But for a marriage to truly work, it needs God in the middle of it. Why? Because it's God's idea. It's God's idea. We need wisdom. And this young man, Solomon, he didn't know what he was doing and was honest about that. But was humble enough to ask God for help. Got wisdom and so much more. And he became known for his wisdom. That's why the Bible says that we should be praying for our kings and prime ministers and people in leadership. I remember it wasn't that long ago that Kevin, Kevin Rudd was the bad guy. And then it was Tony Abbott. He was the bad guy. Now it's Scott Morrison. I don't care what party is leading our country right now. What do you do with fires that are out of control? You need wisdom. You don't need popular opinion. The Bible says that we need to be praying for our leaders. Husbands need to be praying for their wives. Parents need to be praying for their children. Pastors need to be praying for their congregations. Congregations need to be praying for their pastors. And in those prayers should always be, give them wisdom. Grant them wisdom. Because we don't need more knowledge. The Pharisees had knowledge. The religious people some 2,000 years ago had knowledge. They knew the Messiah was coming. They knew where He would be born. They knew so many things about Him. And yet when He stood there right in front of them, when the Messiah, God incarnate, came and stood before them, the one they were believing for, they missed the day of their visitation because they didn't recognise Him because He didn't come according to their understanding. That's why the Bible says we're not to lean on our own understanding, but we're to lean on His understanding. There are so many questions I have that I cannot answer. There are so many things that happen in my life that I cannot explain. There's certain scriptures I do not get. But it doesn't disqualify me from tapping into the wisdom of God. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.